The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. and welcome to a brand new episode of the Two Point Conversation. Football talk for fans, by fans, right here on the network at BICBP-radio.com. My name is Matt Johnson, one of your hosts, and alongside with me, joining from uh, a lovely couch. Um, he is ACL-less, uh, Mr. Brian Finch, successful <laughs> surgery uh, last week. Happy to hear, my man. Um, how you yes. feeling? Uh discomfort there's you know you're not comfortable a lot of things they ask you to do for exercise that really makes you remember like oh yeah you know i had surgery less than a week ago (laughs) but uh you get through that just like you do anything and uh you you just know that that it's gonna pay off in the end so i'll be all right no for sure happy to hear it my man happy we could still get to do this together um gotta love technology right who would have yeah. thunk? Who would have thunk? Um, so no game today, but uh, we are introducing, well, reintroducing a, new, a segment that Brian and Ryan had last year called the Losers Club. So we're going to go through our normal film study, film room stuff today. Uh, we got four plays for you. I'm covering, um, well, whatever. But at the end of it, we're going to we're going to discuss loser, uh, the Losers Club. Uh, Houston and Detroit are our focal points uh, for this uh, for this first Losers Club. And just basically want to look at who they should be looking at. Obviously, Brian's way more in tune than uh, in the world of college football than I am. But just what they have to do uh, to get back on track into heading into next season. Because their seasons are pretty much washed. Yeah. Um, as far as film room study goes, I'll be covering uh, offensively. I'm going to look at Jared Goff's beautiful touchdown strike. Let a hell of a drive yesterday. And then on defense, uh, I actually forgot the individual's name. Uh, but it was a pick six. Uh, from Tom Brady, he threw it against Atlanta yesterday, and uh, it was it was pretty unique. Brian, what do you got for us? Uh, what do you got for us today? Uh, yeah, defensively, we're gonna look at some Chidobe Awuzie uh, action, a, a draft crush of mine from a u- few years back, former Cowboy, and then uh, we're gonna look at classic Russell Wilson and accent. You know, Russ w- with his dimes pulled out uh, a pretty elite one this weekend yes he did yes he did he finally woke up a little bit it only took a couple weeks um, yeah but he did so uh without further ado let's get into our film room study first and foremost we're going to take a look at jared goff and uh and the detroit lions happy happy for them you know getting their first win very emotional moment i'm happy that it happened in detroit i think in retrospect i'm very very happy that it happened in in uh in the Motor City, it was it was cool. It was one of those uh, yeah, it was one of those sports moments that you know maybe won't get put on a pedestal ever. But it was just it was really cool to be watching live on TV that happen that transpire. Yeah. Just the whole drive, it was it was whimsical. We've all taken our, you know, we've taken shots at Detroit this year, and obviously so. They haven't been a good football team. They've been competitive, but um, 
have not been able to really finish football games. And uh, we don't, you know, for, as far as film goes, I don't think we've looked at them once this year, right? Maybe. No. No, maybe a defensive no, no. thing. I don't even think anything. No. No, not at all. They're- they do fall into the lovable losers category, though, so they got that going for them. A hundred percent. So, um, yeah. so yeah, really cool moment. Um, good, good weekend. I, I mentioned it in yesterday's podcast, uh, but a very good weekend for Michigan, uh, the state of Michigan football. I would dare so say. Of course, your boys um, winning their conference championship and um, and, and advancing out of course the the college football playoffs, which is you know humongous. And then, yep. um, you know, all this in memory, those the, those uh, poor souls in Oxford, those uh, those kids who were, uh, you know, just victims of senseless violence. Um, but it was a huge moment for, for, for Michigan. I think it was, uh, you know, it, that's the beauty of football, I think. Um, you know, maybe not everybody's healed, but you can kind of come together and rally together uh, and feel good around a sport like football. And I, I think that's what I took most from this weekend. So, um uh, yep. So let's take a look at this play first, and then we'll uh, we'll start to uh, we'll start to break it down and we'll go through the personnel and all that jazz. All right, here we go. There's Hawkinson inside. Here we go. Goff from the gun. Love the crowd reaction. That's probably my favorite thing. It makes me so happy to see fans just happy, um, and like they were loud and proud at uh, at Ford Field this past week. So, um, so yeah. So this was, you know, it was a back and forth game. Detroit actually took it to Minnesota through most of this game, but uh, the Vikings kind of rallied back, they had control, and uh, Minnesota left like I think a minute and twenty something seconds left. Uh, plenty of time. For the likes of Tom Brady and such, but uh, you know, to, to kind of rally a comeback. But uh, we've never seen—I don't know if I've ever seen Jared Goff rally a comeback like this before. That's what I was probably most impressed about. Um, you know, in this in this whole sequence of events, it's actually a really—it's a really masterful drive. Minnesota kind of shot themselves in the foot, but I really don't think I've ever seen Minnesota do this. So, um, or excuse me, Jared Goff do this. So, uh, personnel-wise, we have eleven personnel on the offensive side. All right, um, we have three wide receivers, so it is trips. Um, excuse me, it's trips left, and uh, yeah, there is a running back there next to Jared Goff. He is lined up uh, horizontally, adjacent to him. And uh, for the Vikings, it's a prevent defense, pretty much. They only are sending three men. Everybody else is playing back. Of course, you can see the large grouping of, uh, of Vikings defenders, probably extra line, you know, linebackers, extra cornerbacks. DBs, whatever it may be, just trying to, their best to guard, and they did a terrible job uh, of guarding this uh, guarding this end zone, preventing the touchdown. It's four seconds left. It's fourth and two, um, and, and you know Detroit needs the touchdown to win. It, it, like this is almost like a. I'm actually pretty blown away by that Viking. The Vikings gave this up. I thought their defense looked pretty good um, as far as where they were placed at protecting this end zone, but it just it was just magic. It was just meant to be. It was one of those meant to be things. So what I like about this, uh, this bunch formation, it, I, I, the trips left, uh, which you know I, I always say all the time, when it comes to red zone stuff, it's great. You know, you guys hear me at nauseum. Uh, you know, 
you send you put three guys on one side, defender's going to get confused, and this is exactly what kind of happened here uh, with this play. It, the defenders got a little confused. It was literally a moment, like half a second of a hiccup, that gave Jared Goff enough time to uh, hit the touchdown right here. Of course, the big weapon, TJ Hawkinson, in the slot, um, pulled a couple defenders away. But, uh, I mean, this is – at first glance, how would you uh, you know how do you attack something like this, right? That's that's what it's all about. You know the pressure's on. How do you attack something like this? It's always looking for the seams. It's always looking for the seams. You want to try and find the seams, but you know Minnesota here, there there seems there's a defender, there's like a safety defense again defensive back ready to kind of close in that seam, and that's why it's like so magical that this thing kind of happened and worked out the way that it did. Um, you know, gave Jared Goff plenty, plenty of opportunity, and it was just, uh, like I said, it, it was one of those. It's one of those quick reaction things that you kind of have to hit every. You know, when, when the moment's hot. If you wait a half a second longer, uh, Detroit's still is zero eleven and one right now. So, yeah. Um, so let's start to break this down a little bit. Let's kind of watch from the first snap. All right, pressure's on again. Only three man rush, easy to block. They know the pass is coming. They have no other. Tr- it's the only choice that the Lions have to uh, to pull this game off. There's Hawkinson. In- yeah, Hawkinson in the slot. Uh, there's really not a uh, a route concept here either. It's, uh, I mean, do we consider can we consider these go routes? They literally all just run in straight lines. Right. Uh, they all just run it's, in it's, straight lines. Yeah, you just uh, get get past that goal line and uh, make yourself available for a pass. It's like a mini hail mary. Correct, correct. Um, I, I believe this man on the right here too. I think Amon Ross St. Brown was the uh, was the guy who caught the the touchdown in this. But see Tennessee, we talked about you guys last week. Get in the end zone. Don't try and just come a little short and then power your way through. That's not how it works. Tennessee, right. take some lessons from uh, Jared Goff and the Lions. Why don't you? <laughs> Maybe not too many. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not too well uh, in this home stretch uh, for the Colts and Bills. Uh, I don't know. go ahead. Take all the take all the Detroit lessons you want. Um, but all right, the ball is snapped. All right, Jared Goff has a wonderful pocket of room to work on. the uh, The defense isn't really moving. They're not moving too much. But uh, you can look like they're trying to uh, they're trying to close in a little bit on Hawkins, so they know he's the. He's the big threat. He's obviously the number one target here. Um, Goff back a little bit. Here we go. All right. I like this. I don't know if that's all. I don't know if that's offensive pass interference, but this dude just bull rushes this guy and knocks him back a peg. What do you know the rule yeah. on this? Would this be offensive pass interference? You you could definitely call uh, pass interference because it's beyond the five yards. But it definitely falls in the category of I dare you to throw the flag on this play. That's true too. That's that's a good it's point gonna, too. You know, you're you're at home. You, you have the ball, the go ahead situation. You'd like to think that the refs aren't leaning towards any scenario one way or another. But I mean, we've seen it. We we know that this happens. Home teams get calls, and especially in like winning situations. They don't want to be a part of this play. They want nothing to do with whether or not this is a, a touchdown or not. Right. So, no, 100%. Yeah. So he, he hits him. And actually, this is a very important part of the play. Um, if you look at it, this gives St. Brown, and I had to shrink Brian's uh, little little camera just a little bit so we can see him. Look at this gap of room. This gap of room is, is just critically important. And uh, that's all the seam that Jared Goff needs. He steps into the pocket. You can see his face. 
All right, he's looking. He's Jared Goff is looking right at him. He knows he wants to hit him. Mm-hmm. He's the only guy that's truly open. Goff and laser. You got him. He got inside. He got inside the end zone and inside kind of control on these defenders um, to the point where they couldn't stop him. And the big try and one. figure out exact what zone they fall on because that I mean that's what they're doing here they're they're running a some sort of zone coverage uh looks like it might be cover three yeah it's definitely um, cover three yeah we got yeah, three so, we got one three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven excuse me mm-hmm. so uh protecting that middle field but yeah definitely cover three um but yeah, I think the, the 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 little the little bull rush here kind of shook this guy up a little bit. Right, this defender had him come up. This guy goes to the outside. Hold on, let's watch this again. There's Hawkinson inside. Let me turn it down too, so we can actually talk over it. Here we go. Yeah, he oh he cuts back. That's what happens. That's that's part of the reason why I got so much space. This dude went back too far. He committed. He was real soft and. Um, he gave up the he gave up the perfect spot. Yeah, he gave it the perfect spot. Um, it wasn't anything that St. Brown like really did. I think miraculously, uh, it, it, this guy I think just anticipated too much. He anticipated a little bit too much. That that's kind of what I'm gathering. Um, there's no crazy footwork from St. Brown here. No, no. no. Great hands though. Great hands, because the, the the coverage did tighten up a little bit at the end there. Uh, he's he's made a few plays for them um, this year. He has. He's. I mean, he's not yeah. going to be a wide receiver one just anywhere, but he has made no. a couple big big time plays. Um, younger brother of Equinemius St. Brown, the former, yep. I think Green Bay Packer. Yep. So, actually, he might still be there. I think he might be St. too. Brown. I think he might be. Uh, so that snap here, trying to figure out exactly what those corners and the safety's communication and maybe where the breakdown is or who's to blame, at snap, you, the cornerback that's at the bottom of the screen, uh, he definitely has outside leverage on this play, right? And then he has the safety on the inside of him. So you would think that anything short and towards the middle is supposed to be that safety's responsibility. Right. And then anything deep and towards the back of the end zone, that would be the corner's responsibility. But when when we actually see the ball thrown, um, that safety looks like he wants nothing to do with the play. So I wonder if we're actually looking at cover two because that keeps those two safeties back without having to step up as much where cover three that first safety that's right around where the L is there in the end zone, that would be squarely on his responsibility. So maybe it's a communication goof up between the coverages. One thing's cover two, one thing's cover three. Uh, But I would definitely say that above all else, you just got to challenge the ball, and no one even comes close to trying to challenge this pass. No. No, they don't. Yep, there's the route, there's the bump. This guy goes inside. Yeah, they played back. That's what happened. They they came back too much. No. And he ran like a it almost became like a little hitch route. It almost mm-hmm. it almost became a little hitch route. He came up, he saw like he was going as far back as he could, can't cut back in and and makes that grab and yeah, he's got these two guys beat. Yeah, Gansler is uh 
not having a very good Monday today. I <laughs> I would I would imagine not. I would imagine not. Yeah. He, I would do like the fact that Goff did make a it looks like he made a couple different reads here. He kind of scanned to the right um, upon the hike. It's kind of it's a little hard to tell, but if you guys zoom into the video somehow, um, you can kind of see he's looking towards the right. Maybe he can get something, you know, hit something here. But um, he scans across the way, which is the markings of a decent quarterback, a pretty good quarterback. All right, looking around, looking around, sees it, and bam. It's beautiful. It's, it's I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely, I think it, for me to look at this, it's cool to see. I mean, it's, it's neat to see the, the, the breakdown of the Vikings defense and how they kind of just, um, they just anticipated. They were just kind of in the moment. I guess, and it, it, it faltered. It kind of blew up on him. Um, and that, that pass interference, the, the non-pass interference call is very interesting, too, that body bump. I didn't really notice that before um, before that. But, I mean, again, the hole that that creates, look, at he pushes him off to the right. He bumps him, and then he keeps going. And we got about, there's probably about three, four yards of space in between here, roughly. Uh, yeah. To make that to make that happen, it's it's you know on the part of Jared Goff, it has to be perfectly placed. It's a uh, yeah, it was definitely one of those things that feels like it was meant to be. But um, but yeah, other than that, that's I mean that's that's my offensive play. I wanted to take a look at it again. Really cool moment, and uh, you know always really need to, to to see these things happen. Always need to break them down. I, I I I like big moments in sports, and this is definitely a cool one for Lions fans. I. Uh, I could definitely appreciate what was accomplished here in, in getting your first win of the season. Uh, I know it's been a long, tough road, a, a, another rebuild, so to speak, but um, but really neat here. They got away. They definitely probably got away with that offensive pass interference call, but um, in the end, it worked. It was a, it was a non-call. This dude's looking right at him. He's like, "Nah, I'm not calling that. I'm good." And that ref is like, "Nah, I'm not, I, I want nothing to do with that." And uh, they hit St. Brown, and it's uh, it's a cool moment for Detroit fans. And uh, it could last for a long time. So, thirteen weeks of hard work finally pays off. Seriously, I mean, how many heartbreakers have they really had this year? Far they, too many. Far too many. They haven't really gotten. I don't think they've really gotten blown out. Maybe by a couple teams, but um, yeah. they've come to relatively close in a lot of instances. For I uh, thought the Jets, the Jets, the Jaguars. Uh, I'm trying to think of like the Texans. Those teams have looked far less competitive and competent than the Detroit Lions. And okay. no one would ever like casual fans might even hear us say that and like like what are you even talking about? I was like, well no, dude, like you can tell that they're buying in and, and they're they're not really making horrendous mistakes. They're keeping themselves in the game by playing smart for the most part. Yeah. Uh it's just been, been some bad luck and just I mean there's just no talent on that offense. Outside of DeAndre Swift and Hawkinson, that there's literally nothing to build around right now. So no, it's going to be a couple of years. We're going to be talking about them later, of course, with our losers club. But um, but yeah, definitely wanted to show some love to Jared Goff and the Lions. Um, all right, so our next play, we're going to look at some Russell Wilson stuff. Brian, why don't you take us through? What are we looking at here? Uh, why'd you pick this play? Uh, pick this play because I was looking for a reason to discuss. Uh, what I like to call a sexy deep ball. And Russell Wilson is definitely a candidate that will deliver those week in, week out. And uh, this is a prime example of what makes Russell Wilson's 
deep ball accuracy as good as any has been in the league. All right, very good. Let's uh, let's take a look at this play unfold, and uh, we will go from there. So let's switch the screen. And here we go. by Brown, the left tackle going deep and caught inside the five. Grabbed by Metcalf at the two. Peterson in first. All right. Five thirty. I believe that is what the kids call a a dime. I would say so. I would say so. Here, I got to go plug in my laptop. You uh, you talk them through what we're looking at here. Okay. Uh, we are looking at a shotgun trips lock formation. We're going to have DK Metcalf as our lone receiver to the bottom of the screen. He is our primary on this play. Obviously, we know by watching it that this is who gets the ball. Uh, we're running a 11 personnel, as is very standard when it comes to third and long situations. So it's third and 14. And to match that, uh, the San Francisco 49ers come out in a 4-2-5 nickel. Uh, they're going to match this with running bracketed coverage, uh, which is good. They have good coverage uh, to take on a speedster like DK Metcalf. I mean, he really is a physical freak with his size, his speed, and athleticism and power. So anytime that he's on the field, he's going to get a lot of attention. But I like that they use him on the bottom of the screen as the lone X and let the bunch formation go to the top. And this helps dictate, you know, coverage immediately, whereas Russell Wilson can go to his primary receiver, DK, on this play. And immediately he can see what kind of coverage he's getting with his one-on-one. So he's going he's gonna to look at this. Uh, Matt, you back? Yes, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, okay. Uh, so why don't you play it, and I'll tell you when to stop. Absolutely. Oh, let me uh, get a little audio going. Okay. Rewind it just a half a click. Now we'll be at 430. Beautiful. Okay. So right now, he is def- Russell Wilson has definitely assessed that, yeah, I have straight man-to-man coverage. I have DK Metcalf, who's already won to the inside. He has inside leverage. And now there comes decision time because he does have a few options outside, but no one's opened up immediately. Uh, the pocket's clean for now, but I, I definitely feel that with the way that this game had gone for them, that it wasn't like Russell Wilson had all the time in the world. So he's probably got that clock clicking in his head, and he knows – all right, I, I spent two seconds. I need to think about getting rid of the ball. And the great thing about Russell Wilson is when throwing the deep ball, he can do it many different ways. He's great anticipatory deep ball thrower, and he's a fantastic 50-50, let a guy go out and make a play kind of deep ball throw here. This is the anticipation. This is looking at reading the one-on-one matchup, and seeing that I got safety over top, and I'm going to trust my arm, I'm going to trust my receiver, and I'm going to put the ball in a place that only DK uh, can go and get this ball. So while we keep it rolling. Yes, sir. Brown, the left tackle, going deep and caught inside 
and it's perfect. It's it's in front of the corner, uh, or I'm sorry, in front of the safety, and drops in just perfectly in the in the basket, as they say. Um, but it, it's those high level plays that you need to execute to uh, stay on the field in this league because third and fourteen is going to happen, and you need you need an answer for this. Uh, I was watching the Steelers and Ravens. And to watch my man Lamar Jackson still struggle with the zero blitz, um, you know, the all-out blitz and not knowing where to go with the ball is is making me think that he needs to spend some offseason with a guy like Russell Wilson because he can use that athleticism in the same way that Russell Wilson does. And if he can combine that with uh, understanding coverage is better, um, I think Lamar can make the step here. But uh, Russell Wilson, vintage just wheeling and dealing and making teams just have to respect that ball, man. He's, he's got that deep ball. And I wish Pete Carroll didn't love running the ball so much. No, I know. I, I, I know it, it would help if they, if they, you know, if they did run it a little bit more, but I really do like this, 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 this formation here. Uh, they're trying to get DK, you know, as, as much one-on-one as they possibly can, right? That's DK at the bottom of the screen, I believe. Yep. Um, you know, and and that's the kind of matchup that you want. I know that it, it becomes a little closer. There's a man deep, right? Because we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So there's two men deep, but uh, probably guarding that first down line. But you know, this is this is kind of nice to uh, to kind of have that advantage. And DK, when when he when DK's on, he's on, and we've seen him off a lot lately too. Uh, DK really hasn't had his – the last month has not been kind to him. The last month, month and a half has not been very kind to him. But, uh, but yeah, this is the kind of matchups that you want. And, you know, is it, I mean, this is a highlight reel catch. That's obviously why we're covering it um, for this play. So, all right, let's watch it one more time. And, um, and great coverage, great block. Yeah, like that pocket almost collapsed. It's actually a very good read on uh, – or very good situational awareness on Russell Wilson's part. He really Love lobs it. He really lobs that thing up too. He's got like that old man touch on it now. <laughs> He's got like that Big Ben Philip Rivers like old man touch. <laughs> but yeah. Oh. Clean. Filthy. And and play it one more time from the start, man. Yes. I want to I want to show off DK's footwork here because DK does not get enough love for what he does at the line. So he has to win different than everyone else in the league uh, because of what he was knocked about in his draft, which is he cannot rely on that, that short area quickness to uh, make those hard breaks and get in and out of his uh, breaks for his routes. So what DK does is he's physical at the line. He'll use his just straight power on you. And the same time his, he will use fancy footwork um, with just trying to get you guessing on what way he's cutting. So watch, watch his feet right here as uh, the ball snaps. Yeah, it's like a little, like a little shuffle to the right, and that's how he gets mm-hmm. a, he gets inside control. And it's his break. It's just a quick little juke to the right hand side, and he's got it. Because he don't need much. No, with his size, that speed, the, you know, his his arm length. He doesn't. He doesn't need much separation in order to uh, be able to make a highlight catch. No, no, he does not. It, it, it was literally that quick. Yeah, that quick juke move, and he had the dude beat. Um, you know, 
that's good route running right there. That's that's pretty superior route running. Um, it was so he just made it look easy. I guess he made it look easy. He does. He does. But yeah, and there it is, caught inside the five. I think they're like it's like first and two. For oh, it's first and goal, but first first and first goal on the first down on the like two yard line. Um, after that, so pretty significant play. It was good to see Russell Wilson kind of back in action after I. Literally, I made a meme about how the Seahawks were garbage with and without him, and then it's like they went on a tear, like like immediately after that. And yeah. I don't think San Francisco had an answer for him afterwards. So um, good on Russell Wilson. I think their season is still over. I would like to imagine they're not mathematically eliminated yet, but I would be I would be surprised if Seattle can rally back and and, and get a playoff spot. I I I just I don't foresee it. Right. But, all right, very good. We're going to move on to our defensive plays now. I'm going to start off with uh, Thomas Brady throwing a pick six yesterday uh, against the Atlanta Falcons. It was quick. It was sudden. I don't think a lot of people knew exactly what the heck was going on. Um, I don't even know what happened, really, um, until it did. Marlon Davidson uh, is the one, the man who picked it off. So let's give a little watch to that, and then we'll uh, we'll start to, to break it down. I mean, it, we, we seem to take a lot of Tom Brady stuff uh, when it's interceptions, right? Um, he doesn't do it often. This one was one of those very rare ones. It was just very peculiar how it broke down, but a cool play nonetheless. It had Atlanta right back in the game. So, um, so yep, let's uh, take a look. Let me switch the screen, and here we go. I love Brady's face now. Like he just <laughs> do you do you notice his like body language is like not like it's very different this year. Yeah. Uh I'm not sure exactly what it is. Even he doesn't seem excited ever. He just seems like a uh he just seems he doesn't seem like he's having fun this year. And I understand the pay listen, uh the Bucks are I mean they're eight and three. They're well. They're nine and three now. Excuse me. Uh, it hasn't been a f- easy nine and three, but they're doing pretty well for themselves. Uh, but he just doesn't. He doesn't look like he's having fun like he was last year. I don't. I don't. I'm not sure what's different about him. Saving all that fun for January and February. That's true. That's that's probably true. He just yeah. Just, just something about him. He just seems so even keel. Um, not hot. Not too high. Not too low. Just kind of flying in the middle. But. Um, but all right, so for this situation that we got going on here, all right, the uh, the Buccaneers are in eleven personnel shotgun, and uh, we have the formation is shotgun dice slot uh, strong side. All right, dice slot strong side. So, um, so what we got here is we got uh, this is our strong side right here. Okay, we're tight end. The strong side means that we have an extra man in the line. We got a tight end right here. So that's our strong side. Our running back is right here, and we got one man down here. That's the uh, that is the formation that we're looking at in there. All right, uh, for the Falcons, they're in a four three zone, 
and it appears to look like cover two right out of the gate, but I believe it turns into cover four. That's what I've gathered from it. It's cover two immediately. These uh, these these cornerbacks actually play back, and that creates a uh, that create ends up really creating it as a cover four. But the ball doesn't even get that far. Um, this is just that's how uncharacteristic of Brady this uh, this is. It doesn't get very far at all. I'm trying to actually find where the heck. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to find where the heck, what's his name, Marlon Davidson is at. I believe he's one of these linebackers. Uh, I think that might be him right there. But, uh, we'll, we'll try and find him together, all right? It's like, where's Waldo? We're going to try and find him together. All right, so the ball is, ball is hiked. Uh, he looks right. Brady looks right. He shoots left. And, yeah, he just didn't see. Like, usually when Brady throws these check downs, it's a little bit more out. This is way too in. And uh, Davidson is, is like literally just right there waiting for it. And this is, you don't see Atlanta defenders making plays like this every day. No, no. Let's see. Yeah, that's, I'm pretty sure that's him. He was the, he, he's lined up as the three tech. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's a lineman. <laughs> yep. He's a D lineman. And he made that pick. Um, I'm not sure what Brady's seen there. It just probably just trying to get the ball away. They're in the end zone. Don't want to give up a safety. They have to turn the ball over, I think. Uh, Atlanta's defense did do okay for a little while. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, this is just not very Brady-like. Uh, yeah, right to the guy, right into coverage. And uh, Davidson just has, a, just has a really just good awareness of it. Takes it with the one hand. Got to use the timeout. Yeah. Oh! He got mossed. Dude got yeah. mossed. <laughs> oh, he absolutely got mossed. <laughs> uh, Pretty much, yes. Our D tackle right here. So he swings out. Got to use the he reads yeah. the screen. That's he, what he that's, reads. So, it. Right. Yep. So he he feels the lineman letting him rush, and because the lineman doesn't sell his pass block well enough or his run block well enough, uh, the tips off the defensive tackle that it's going to be a screen. And then it also doesn't help that, you know, Fournette makes it extremely obvious that he's going out for a pass. So normally you like to try and give a little bit of Houdini on the play, just some sort of hiccup, little like, I don't know, flare on the play that doesn't immediately just say, Hey, uh, we're just taking an easy screenplay here, but that's what they do. It's it happens a lot, you know. A lot of times it doesn't end up in a pick six. A lot of times the quarterback has to ground it right. Yeah, the guy got in too early because the play didn't work. So that that's what happens here. The problem is that uh, this Davis dude is sneaky athletic. Yeah, a little under. Yeah, he's eyeing it. Look at Brady's ready to make the throw, and yeah, I think if Fournette is out, even just I don't know half a yard. To his left, yeah. I think he's got he's got this play and he can hit the seam and and go from there. But yeah, he played it a little too close. But um, you're right, yeah. This lineman breaks contact and he bounces off and just reads it very well. Yeah. Oh! Touchdown! Whoa! I remember that coming across the ticker watching the games, and I saw that they scored to make it within uh, what, four points or whatever at the time, right? And I was like. What did they do to score that quickly? Because I knew they didn't have the ball. Yeah. Yeah, it was a pretty significant grab watching that live. Um, Yeah, Brady, I mean, Brady's not a pick 
uh, a, an interception kind of guy. He's, not, he's, he's pretty smart and calculated with the ball. But uh, that might be one of his first ones to alignment. I don't know how many times he's actually done that to alignment. But uh, shout out to this Davidson guy. Uh, first I've heard of him, and probably maybe the last I've ever heard of him as well. But a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool moment. That's just, that's heads up football by him. Oh yeah, great, great, great awareness. Yep. So. But, yeah, I wanted to take a look at that one, see kind of why it happened. A D lineman uh, getting a pick six is uh, pretty cool. Shout out to the big guys. Shout out to the big guys. Love big guy touchdowns. Absolutely. Um, All right, so next we have our final play of the game. We're going to take a look at uh, some Cincinnati Bengals and Chargers action here. Another interception, pretty solid interception. Brian, why did you uh, – what, what interests you in this one? I know you, you liked the uh, the person making the INT. I forgot his name, but um, yeah. big, you're a big fan. Well, yeah, Chadovia Wuzier uh, was a name that when Ryan and I first actually even discussed doing a podcast about college football, it was this season that Wuzier was going to be one of the corners drafted, and it was a draft that I knew the Bills were going to be taking a cornerback. And I was like, all right, well, here's a guy to keep an eye on. Uh, Colorado, I believe he played for Awuzie, either Colorado or Colorado State. Um, but the reason I picked this play is because I was tired of everyone just Herbert this, Herbert that. And it's like, listen, the guy's great, all right? And he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league for many years to come. He's going to be a top three, top five guy in this league for years and credit to him, but the, the we quickly want to like anoint the next Manning or anoint the next Brady or even we're even trying to replace the next Mahomes. You know what I mean? I don't understand why we can't just slow roll it and enjoy it, and also fairly critique when they make poor decisions and w- when they they make mistakes because it's going to happen. Brady just made a horrible mistake in that clip we just watched. Herbert's no different, and he had the better game from Joe Burrow in this for sure. And he'll probably have the better season. Uh, but Wuzie is, is showing off why you cannot wait too long. This is what I would call late and down blunders okay. by quarterbacks. All right. So let's take a gander at this play. We'll start to break it down. Oh, that is not the play. This is the play. There we go. And they concede that space, but nothing behind the third and 25. Herbert. Up top. Intercepted. The pick made by Awuzier. And he takes it back to the 44. I think 8.05 was the start time on that. Yeah, 8.03, something like that. We turn it down, and there it is. Okay. All right, so what are we looking third, at? Yeah, What's third and 25. Um, big down and distance to make up for. Herbert gets a little too aggressive, so that that's how I'm framing this play. Uh, so we're going to go up shotgun 11 personnel. We're going trips right, and we're matching that with a straight-up um, man coverage down the seam, but it's look at the the uh, amount of space between where Chadobia Wuzier is. He's almost at the fifty, 
and where the wide receiver is at the line of scrimmage. They're playing way off the line of scrimmage because of the distance and the down. Um, and the other thing that they do is uh, they roll the coverage over to that side of the field too. So they play leverage towards the uh, far side of the field and they bank on the fact that we're going to play good coverage here and we're going to be able to contest. Um, but I mean, all game, you know, Justin Herbert was taking advantage of one-on-one situations, jump balls, you know, guys, just my guy's going to be better than you. Yeah. And this was another scenario where he thought he could do that, but the play is not over until the play is over. And uh, that's what happens here. So let's play a little bit. Sure thing. Early pressure, so Herbert steps up. That edge gets around, makes Herbert uncomfortable. He does a good job stepping up. Uh, but with this down in distance, you already had a lot of ground to try and make up. So now he's he's taking a 50-50 ball, and he's going to push it down the sidelines. And ideally, you know, you do this, and it's with little to no time left on the clock. Not with a minute 20 on the clock. Yeah, I was surprised by this. So was I, because he had been playing real smart. He wasn't forcing anything. And then this one, he just, but here's the thing too. Like he, in his eyes, does he look in and go, well, my wide receiver just needs to make the play because if we keep rolling it here, the, the wide receiver, he's the one that goofs up more than, Justin Herbert. It was a good ball for him to catch. So I mean, it's right on the money. If if this is caught, this is a dive, right? This is a, look at the. I mean, the ball placement. We got the ball right about here. The trajectory yeah. is right there. Um, I just think Awuzie just worked a little bit harder making that pick. I mean, he's not looking. Uh, uh, just just great. Uh, it's not even a awareness. I I don't know. I mean, I think this is a really yeah. well placed ball. Oh, absolutely! It was it was fantastic. Like, right there, it looks like he caught it, and actually, he, I think he did. But Awuzie just ripped the ball out, mm-hmm. which makes it. I mean, even that more impressive. You know, you're at the point. He gets it. You know, uh, who's I don't even know who this receiver is. Is it maybe Guyton or? Um, yeah, I think it's Guyton. Fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah, I think yeah. Uh, Guyton. You know, he brings it down. He hauls it in, and then Awuzie just rips it right out of his hands. Yeah. He just wanted it more. He didn't. He didn't give up on the play. You know, even though he was in trail position, he knows that as a cornerback, uh, ideally being in front of your receiver is what you want. Unless you're specifically being, you know, given the the task of, you know, being in trail. Sometimes you're purposely put in trail because you're passing off coverage to the over the over defender and you're taking the under. But in this in this scenario, he was playing man. And he got over. He got beat, and but he didn't give up. He stayed with the play, and he he battled through the whistle, and that's part of football too. For so sure, that's that's a split second reaction time kind of thing. That that's that's what I'm gathering. There's so many guys who see that catch, they just kind of back off, they give up, or whatever. They mm-hmm. just try and work for the. Uh, they work for for just the tackle. Um, but the fact that he stuck with it, you know, as soon as that ball was caught, he followed around. He got the you know got the, ripped the ball out of his hands. That's some uh, that's some defensive player of the year type. That's a defensive player of the year type play. 
Uh, you know, definitely a highlight reel one. I'm glad you picked this one because I'd almost forgotten about it, even though I shouldn't have. But, uh, yeah, really great awareness because if they catch that charger in field goal range, and this is all, this is a, uh, you know, the the margin of 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 points it becomes that much greater for them. The Chargers did not have to go for this. That, like I said, I think they they should have just punted. Uh, you know, just got a couple yards, punted, buried them deep, and had it go. You know, just kind of just unfold, trust the defense. But yes, yeah, is uh, this is pretty wild. Yeah. He makes a couple reads though, which is nice. It's good to see Herbert making a couple reads, trying to find figure out where he's going. I don't know if it, you know, I don't know if Guyton was the uh, was the guy the entire time. And he's just trying to do this to throw off the defense, but man, and that was smooth as heck. Mm-hmm. This is a fun. It was a fun competitive game for most of the game too, which was nice. It was. Um, uh, Chargers were burying the Chargers. Him. Yeah, the Chargers were burying him for like the first quarter. And then Cincinnati started to make things interesting. Uh, you know, pick, touchdown, all this stuff. Uh, they started to just yeah. pile on points. And then all the injuries started to happen, and it just was not good. And then Eckler couldn't stop fumbling the ball. Yeah, right. He had, two, I think, two fumbles, two, uh, yeah. two turnovers. So pretty, pretty crazy. All right. But uh, is there anything you want to add to that before we move on to the Losers Club? Uh no, uh just enjoying sitting back on a recliner. I got a new recliner. I didn't mention that yet. You did not. And uh, yeah, and enjoying the 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 great art of football. Yes, you that's, are. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> I'm happy, buddy. I'm happy that uh, you're 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 finding comfort in, after post surgery. Yeah. But all right, now it is time for the losers' club spotlight. We have two teams. I let Brian decide who we're gonna take. Um. Who's the first team we're going to be talking about today? Well, the first team made it easy for us because – oh, sorry. Don't mean to be knocking us all over here. Uh, the I first lost, team made I lost it you easy. on video. Yeah. Am I back down? Nope. Oh, hold on. That's actually okay. This will probably just be audio. All right. We'll just leave it like that. Uh, the first team came out and uh, – they declared themselves done with playoffs. They did. The first team out, the Houston Texans says, we're done. We don't want to partake. And we're like, all right, fair enough, Houston. We're fine with that. Uh, we'll watch other teams. That's okay with us. And then Detroit uh, tried to join the parties, but uh, then they decided to win a game. Yes. And so technically they're not uh, knocked out yet. But I think they are both more than worthy of joining the Losers Club. Okay. Yeah. I still think uh, really two two great teams to uh, to examine for this uh, for what we're talking about today. So yeah, we'll start off with the Houston Texans. Uh, they have a whole mess of a situation, you know, this year. Deshaun Watson issues. They've been shipping out guys uh, left and right. Uh, but I did like what they did last off season with when it comes to. Uh, Trying to rebuild, trying to get some salary cap space back, right? They, I thought they, I thought their uh, their general manager Nick Casario. That sounds right. I think it's right. Uh, I like what they did. He gave a lot of guys prove it one year, two year contract deals just to try and get through this season, and um, you know, just trying to get through the season and 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 just 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 to shout, you know, just to try and get back in a in a in the green when it comes to salary cap. 
Oh yeah, that the salary cap situation is horrendous. You've got the whole thing with Deshaun Watson looming over your head. You know, the 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 owner had some weird stuff going on with him too. Um, just it's been a a PR nightmare that bled into the actual football operations. And obviously, you had you know Tyrod comes in and, and he gets hurt, and they don't have any receivers, and they don't have any running backs, and yeah, it just kept rolling downhill, didn't it? Yeah, no, it certainly did. I mean, they went from being AFC South champions a couple, multiple years in a row. I mean, honestly, Houston dominated the last decade. Um, I think six AFC South titles over the last decade, and mm-hmm. I think two of the last three, two or two or three in the last four years. So, some wild number. I think Jacksonville's the only. No, they they kind of got hot at the right time too. Jacksonville and Tennessee got like I think 2017 was the only like year that like Houston didn't win in the last five. So for them to fall off as much as they have, it's it's uh, you know it it's it's kind of sad. You go from having your franchise guy who I think when playing is a top five quarterback in the league at any given time. Um, we've seen him elevate guys. He was the passing yards leader in 2020 without with, with without help with. You know, just just no like wide receiver one, really. He had Will Fuller until he got busted for the the, the uh, some kind of steroid, I believe. Um, I mean, geez, I we thought that they had it figured out, and Kansas City just wrecked them that 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 playoff game, the divisional round. They were up, they went up twenty four, and they lost by twenty four, some some number like that. Um, so how do you attack? So if this were your team, if you were the general manager of the Houston Texans. How do you attack this offseason first and foremost? The most glaring, obvious situation is you have to figure out what you're doing with Deshaun Watson as far as just him being a distraction. You need to have that resolved. You need to put pressure on the NFL to do whatever they're going to do with him. Or, you know what I mean? You just want to move on one way or another. You know, if, if there's going to be a trial, then, okay, there's going to be a trial, then you handle that. But if there's not, then you need to tell me, you know, what am I looking at so I can decide what to do with somebody who's still an asset. Either you trade him and you acquire first-round picks or whatnot for him, or, you know, you, you hold on to him and you don't have to get a quarterback. So uh, as sticky as it is, as much as we don't want to talk about this stuff, that is the biggest hurdle still in the way for this team. So let's just play devil's advocate and say they are able to trade him away. Uh, It's not for as much as they want, but they, they are moving on from Deshaun Watson and they are heading into a new era. Well, then the biggest need is going to be quarterback. Correct. But now you're in, you're in one of the weaker draft classes for quarterbacks as in the last few years, there's no one guy, there's no Trevor Lawrence, there's no Joe Burrow. There's no one guy that you can pull out and say, I feel confident in him. And I we've known about him. You know, the, the best player that everyone keeps talking about um, is Matt Corral from Ole Miss. And he definitely has his warts. He definitely has issues. Uh, things that will have to be smoothed out when he enters the pros. And he, he doesn't, he's not the, the golden boy. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. There's, there's no, cure all this time around for well if I draft first or second at least I'll get this stud quarterback because that is not going to be the case 
Do you think um, they want to give up on Davis Mills that easily, though? I know he's a third-round pick, third- or fourth-round pick. Um, There was some upside to him. Do you, do, you, do you think that, I mean, especially where they're going to be drafting next year in that draft, right? They're probably going to be the first. They, they could find themselves the first or second overall. I, oh, I, I think they have yeah. their draft picks in that regard. Uh, are they? I mean, them drafting a quarterback at that point in the game might be would definitely be an overdraft. I would dare so say, you know, um, when there's so many other pieces they could fill at, in the second, third, fourth, maybe even first somehow if Detroit can kind of get some some things going. Um, yeah, you know, do you overvalue a quarterback and, and overdraft and just just get stuck in this rut all over again, or do you try? And and work give a kid like Davis Mills a full off season with you know with the offense understanding it um, and, and just just trying to get a, a little bit more better. Cause, I mean there were some there were some bright spots for him this this season. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Uh, Davis Mills probably when gauged with the rest of this the, with this draft class, you know he's probably a day two pick just like a lot of them are. Right. He, you, you feel confident in taking Davis Mills in this draft, you know, or roughly around the same time that you did last year, if not bumped up a little bit. I mean, in all honesty, considering the, the challenges that he had to play with, not, you know, not supposed to be the guy that soon. Uh, he was able to make some plays. I remember, you know, he played very well against New England. Yes. You know, the, the guy, the guy has faced some real stiff competition, um, guys that would know how to challenge a rookie quarterback. And, you know, he's, he was a little 50, 50, didn't look great against the bills, but looked good against the Patriots. So, you know, yes, I, I would say if you want to punt on day one and say, we're not taking a quarterback, that's fine. But to not take one at all, this draft is absolutely not acceptable. Like you, you have to take a chance on one of these guys just because, you never really know who hits you. You can give good estimations. You can gather as many facts as you can, but you know, t- t- in all honesty, isn't Josh Allen looking like the best quarterback out of the 2018 class? Yeah. And nobody wanted him. <laughs> I didn't want him, you know, and, and Josh Rosen that we, that everyone thought was locked in to be the number two quarterback or a little, at worst, the number three quarterback, he can't find out. He can't stay on a roster. Right. So you, you can think that you have everything figured out, but until, you know, rubber hits the road, these guys really can't lay down what they have. So I'm always in the camp of if you don't have a locked in franchise quarterback that you want to pay millions of dollars to for many years, then go ahead and take a quarterback every single year. And then it's just up to you to gauge when you pull the trigger on it if you pull it in day one or day two or day three, because each day it's, you're going to go further and further away from guys that have hit, you know, there are far less six round picks that have hit far less fifth round picks, but then you start getting into, you know, Russell Wilson was a, a, a third round pick, you know, you, we've had second round picks play well. Yeah. Um. So, you know, obviously the best ones get drafted in the first round. So I would still say, Quarterback is the heaviest position to hit. But then the other one's so obvious, Matt, that it, you just have to do it at least once, maybe even twice in this draft. Their wide receivers are a joke. 
what they fielded this year, what they had to have Tyrod throw to was insanely embarrassing uh, that they went into it. It was almost as if they just said, we're trying to get the first overall pick. It certainly felt like it, right? I mean, Brandon Cooks, who um, I drafted in fantasy because I knew he was going to be a volume guy, but we know he hasn't been a true wide receiver one in a long, long time, if ever. Um, It's been a hot minute since he's kind of been at that level. Nico Collins and some of these other guys you you just never even heard of, they're literally picking up other teams' table scraps and and trying to sell it as, hey, we have a team that could be competitive. And it just it just wasn't it it it, it certainly it certainly wasn't. I'm sure from a front office standpoint, yeah, they're trying to tank. They're trying to get some some guy, you know, just get some higher draft pick value. Um, what's the? I mean, you know this better than I do. What's the biggest strength really strength for this upcoming draft class? What position is really um, is the deepest? I would definitely say wide receivers are a plus this year as far as you're going to find um, guys that are probably at least graded in the, in the first two rounds, you're going to get at least six or seven of those guys. So that's actually a pretty good number as far as graded to um, say first round or second round. And then after that, uh, I would definitely say you need to address the, uh, if you need an edge rusher, the edge rusher class in this one is going to be, pretty good too especially in the first round okay Uh, there's gonna there's gonna be at least four or five guys taken in the first round that i think are worthy of it and then i don't think it's a great offensive line class it's got some guys but if you need offensive line like the texans do like the lions do like a lot of these bad teams do um you're just gonna have to get creative with it because i don't think any studs are gonna fall there's no penny sewell this year right you know I mean? right so but then again we're very early on in this process you know the bowl games are just going to start kicking off here in the next couple of weeks then we get in the senior bowl season and that's when you really start seeing um guys move up and down the board because of smaller guys getting chances the smaller guys don't get talked about so when they get a chance to show up in the senior bowl uh, they there definitely could be guys. Um, Who's uh, the Broncos' offensive lineman that made the highlight yesterday, where he was knocking over dudes like six yards, seven yards down the field? Oh, uh, Mirnez. Okay, I think his name is. He he went to um, Wisconsin Whitewater, like like some Division two school, like you know, he did a, a nothing school, right? So. Plenty of chances for it to be proven, um, you know, wrong about who deserves to be drafted, at least positionally in the first couple of rounds. Um, quarterbacks weak, running backs are decent, um, especially if you're like the Texans who have nobody. Do you know that they've only rushed for like 800 yards so far this season? Yeah, I accidentally said that Mark Ingram was like a top five running back this year on one of the fantasy episodes, but. Um... But yeah, it's not good, uh, especially for every, everybody that they've used. Right? They've used Mark Ingram. They've used. Um, they have David Johnson. They had Philip Lindsay for a little bit, and he didn't do a whole lot. And they ended up cutting him very recently. Yeah. So yeah, it's 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 sad. They haven't been able to really get anything going. I mean, the Colts yesterday, two days ago, by the time this episode drops, they uh, 
They they made him look pretty obsolete. I, I I don't even think the the Texans offense had over 100 yards like total. And you yep. can't do that. You can't do that in the National Football League. That's just not a good thing. So, yeah, so I I definitely think that any combination of the Texans first three picks need to be quarterback, wide receiver, running back or you could twist my arm and say if you get a good offensive lineman in the second round then okay, then push off running back and take out the best available wide receiver. Because in my eyes, they they cannot leave this draft without a wide receiver in the first two rounds, and or a quarterback. Because that just shows that you're trying. You have to you have to show your fan base. You have to show everyone that you're at least trying to get better at quarterback. I know Davis Mills is going to get his chance because he's probably earned it yeah but he need, he needs to be in competition with somebody and i don't want it to be you know some retread veteran quarterback it needs to be a guy that's you know got that fire still that still needs to you know push himself agreed now something that we do have to acknowledge too is that the uh i believe the salary cap is going to shoot back up this upcoming season off season uh i think i read 208 million which is a huge uptick there. I think they're in the 180s right now. But, you know, a lot of these low-end contracts that that the Texans issued this last offseason, I mean, they have a lot of room to have a huge free agency class. And I think, and maybe even turn this team around, I I think, in 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 a relatively quick fashion. Of course, there's certain assets that they, you know, certain important assets that they need. They got to develop young. You can't just go out and pick guys up off the street and expect them to work in your system. But I think the expanded, re-expanded um, salary cap it could play to Houston's aid a little bit and, and help help this speed this thing along. Yeah, oh, definitely. That the free agent class is very interesting, and especially with so much new money coming into the league for next season. A lot of one and two year these... deals issued by across the NFL last year. I think even sure. That yeah, wasn't just COVID, Houston. Yeah. It wasn't just Houston. It was it was. Everybody across the league was kind of doing that. Yep. So you just have to, how do you convince uh, these free agents to come play for you? That's the biggest thing. That pocketbook. Unfortunately, yeah. I think Some it's going to be the, I think it's going to be the money. Yeah. You know, well, then hopefully you don't get a Kenny Galladay. Yeah. Oh, big wolf, <laughs> big wolf on that. Um. So let's see. Yeah, so Houston, they literally cannot go wrong, I think, in, the, in a draft situation. They need to address everything. There's some bright spots on their defense, of course. Uh, you know, their defense has kind of played up a little bit. Uh, up a little bit. Yeah. But I don't. I really don't think that they can go wrong. I don't see them, you know, having this miraculous worst-to-first turnaround next year. But there's uh, there's definitely some things that could happen. That uh, that puts them in a proper place to to at least be uh, a little bit more competitive. Because it, it doesn't get it, much worse than where they're at right now. Well, the the, fir- the first two players that are probably going to go off the board, at least what people are saying right now, is Kevin uh, Thibodeau from Oregon, the free cat fleet at uh, Edge. Uh, he's a real bendy, twisty guy. And then uh, same position, opposite playing styles, Aiden Hutchinson. Michigan, uh, everyone's fallen in love with. He's much more your speed to power uh, guy. One one of your more heavy handed, kind of like your uh, your Bosa's. I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Is there anybody else you're looking at for Houston next year, uh, as far as draft wise? 
Yeah, I think they need to go uh, with best player available in that first round. So they should take Thibodeau or they they should take Hutchinson. And then uh, coming back for the second round, I, I really do like um, them going wide out. And I, I like the one that I picked in my mock, uh, Drake London out of USC, a, a real um, X, a true X receiver as far as build goes. He's got good size. He's I think he's like 6'2 or 6'3. Um, he's going to run in the 4'5s guaranteed. Uh, great hands, fantastic hands actually, and he's he's a guy that can win in, in the in the second level. He's the guy that when the ball's in the air, that's when he's normally at his best. So give give your own guy a chance. That's what I'm thinking there. Absolutely. So so I think that's the Houston Texans offseason in a, in a nutshell. There's a lot that they need to do. Um, I think they're on the right track. Uh, again, I, lo- I actually really, really enjoyed what they did last offseason. I knew that they weren't going to win a whole bunch of games. But as far as front office stuff, they did a fairly good job of, of setting themselves up for the future. But, yes, Deshaun yeah. Watson needed to move off. I think that is priority number one. Um, and, and, and it crews some some draft picks, some some players, uh, you know, whoever whomever it may be. I'm not sure who's going to go for it. There are a lot of QB-needed teams out there. Um I guess that's one last thing we could speculate on. I mean, where where would you, where do you think would bite on a Deshaun Watson trade at this point with Houston? It would have to be a desperate team with an owner who knows that his fan base can handle it. So, like, I think as a Bills fan, obviously, if we didn't have Josh Allen, we I think we might be out just because of, like, ownership. I don't know if they'd want that attention on them. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm trying to think of like a fan base that can like withstand a little bit of bad PR and just be like, yeah, we can handle it. And he's our guy. So is the dolphins that kind of organization? I don't really know about that. I think they would uh, have been, I think they were really, they were kind of ready to, I know some of the, the, the internal discussions were, Hey, we want to figure out what's going on with this trial before we make it, or we want you know lower the compensation. But two has really hit a stride in this back half of the season as this team has gotten healthier. Him and Jalen Waddle are hitting it off. I would dare so say that Miami is out of the mix. Um, I think they're comfortable with Tua under center. So uh, the other team, I mean, Washington is a thing as a team I can think of, but I don't, I don't know if that's a destination that Deshaun Watson would want to go. Of course, he's. The only man who can pick his 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 trade spot because he has the no trade clause, right? So, I mean, if he wants to play football again, he's going to have to back off. I think back off a little bit or, or expand his his number of teams that would be interested in that. Um, Washington is the, one of the first teams I can think of in Denver, and uh, I don't know. I was thinking maybe Carolina. Carolina is certainly one that could use use that. I think yeah, they were talking about that potential. Um, definitely talking about the potential of that. And oh man, New York's gonna yeah, New York's gonna need a quarterback at some point. It, it is oh interesting. My God, the Giants, <laughs> it, right? It'd be. I mean, well, it might help his brand if he gets his name clear. It'd help his brand, Deshaun Watson, and, and get a brand going. We all know that, that you know there really hasn't been any New York Giants players that are like big name brands in quite some time, aside from like OBJ and you know outside of that. But 
Sure. I, this is this is a hard one to predict. I, I like I said, I think Tua is playing now to the point where Miami doesn't really need to move on from him. Keep developing him, right? Keep developing Tua. He's he, he seems to be getting better. So why would you make the jump and give up all that draft capital and and possibly some players for Deshaun Watson? Yeah, I agree. Uh, as you said, we got Detroit as our next uh, as our next losers club focus here. Um, yeah, gentlemen, if you're the general manager, you're the general manager of the Detroit Lions. What is the first thing you uh, you do this off season? Uh, first thing I do is commend my coach for keeping this team together down the stretch when it wasn't going well. Because in all honesty, you could lose a locker room and get fired in a year very easily. Yep. Going oh ten and one. Now they are, thank God, one ten and one. Um, which isn't that much better, but still, uh, I, I want to come, I would commend my coaching staff for keeping the team together and showing real growth down the stretch. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, seeing the lions next week. I want to see what kind of effort and energy they come out with. What, what's their attitude? Like, what, what is their thought process? What, how aggressive are they going to be? Cause that's what, that's what's changed when the, the lose, the losses started piling up on this organization is all of a sudden you saw Campbell, like really start getting more aggressive going for it more on fourth down, you know, going for two point conversions when maybe the math isn't necessarily there, just trying to create a spark, doing anything he can for his team. And as much as I took jabs at his goofy press conference in the beginning, cause it was uh, the guy at least walks the walk, man. Yeah. It'd be one thing. It'd be one thing to be that guy who throws around all the cliches and all that coach speak and then just goes and hides away. He doesn't do that at all. He puts himself out there. He, he wears his emotions on his sleeve. He doesn't hide from who he is. And I guarantee you that goes a lot further in that locker room than people even realize. No, I'm sure he, you know, he, he's he, uh, Robert Sala came into the jets. They, the jets signed him because he was a pretty passionate guy, right? But who? I don't think there's a, there's been more passionate coach this year than than Dan Campbell. Um, mm. He's trying to week in week out. He's crying for his players. He's like, I've never wanted to see a coach that wasn't my own coach win so bad. Right? I, I would have loved to see Dan Campbell with Matthew Stafford like five years ago. Oh yeah. Uh, in this this coaching staff, I really truly would have. You know, there's a lot of work that has to be done, ground up. Um, I, I I like the found. I, I I don't hate the foundation of this team, right? It's spunky. Um, I feel like this is a team that could grow into into being something. Of course, there's a lot of pieces that need to be worked out. But um, if I considering everything that was, uh, you know, that they gathered. From this past year, I want to try and see what I have with Jared Goff. I think that's my first thing with this uh, with this Lions team that I want to approach it this year. I want to see what I have with Jared Goff because Jared Goff has been hot or cold. We understand that maybe he's you know he's not one. He's probably like a tier. If out of five tiers, Jared Goff is probably a tier three. He's a guy who needs some help, um, but he's you know a, an Alex Smith esque quarterback that can win you some games and give you some hope. And I think that they really, the wide receiver, they're picking high at a, you know, in a very good wide receiver draft, according to you. So 
I mean, stock up. You have to get a. I think you have to leave the first round of this draft with a wide receiver, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, they they they've got the two first round picks, so the, because of the Stafford trade, so they'll they'll have the first pick, which which my mock had. Uh, they're, they have the first pick right now, um, but they'll definitely be top five, top three, something like that. I mean, they're they're one ten and one for God's sake. So even if they win three of the next five ma- uh, game, how many games are even left? They have they play twelve, fourteen, so have, fifteen, yeah. sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Um, so there's probably like five weeks. Okay, yeah. So uh, let's say they even go three and five. Well, then they're four ten and one, and um, you know they they. Even that, the math didn't work. Oh, yeah, I did. Okay. For <laughs> uh, Stupid 17th game. Uh, I feel that they can be they can be balanced and they can be patient. And be, being afforded a top five pick, they'll take the best player available. And then they can go and get their wide receiver, which is how my mock went for this. Um, the, my first ever mock uh, for the 2022 draft class. Uh, I gave them the hometown boy, Aiden Hutchinson, with the first pick because, in all honesty, this guy is exactly the kind of player that Campbell wants on the Detroit Lions. All effort, all energy, all positive attitude all the time. Uh, Just a remarkable player to come out of Michigan because, you know, he could have been drafted in the first round last year. Right. And he, he not only did he you know, give up that chance, but he, you know, he could have been injured and, and never been the same again. Instead, what happens is the guys in conversations for the Heisman. I mean, he's probably not going to get top three love because they normally go to quarterbacks rightfully. So, but you know, he just the, the fact that he's being mentioned for the Heisman shows you the kind of season he's had at defensive end and uh, for the Michigan and the big, and the big 10. Uh, he's fantastic speed of power. Uh, he's got the g- great anchor. Like the guy is really hard to move off the edge when he takes contain and he would be a home run pick, you know, a local guy cares about Michigan. You know, we just, we talked earlier about the, uh, great weekend in Michigan sports. Um, you know, it was Aiden's idea to wear the badges on the jerseys commemorating the people that, lost their lives this week in that uh, school in Michigan. So, you know, he gets it, he buys in and, you know, you saw that emotion come out of Campbell about, you know, about the same situation. It's just, I couldn't think of two players, a player and a coach that aren't just like destined for each other. And hopefully they put them back where we want to see Detroit Lions being, which is, you know, competitive. We've never seen them be great, but we've had many years where, you know, they're honestly one of the best, three or four teams in the NFC. So yeah. if we can get back there, you know, that's all we need. Uh, so Matt, you said specifically wide receiver and yeah, we, that's right. I said the wide receiver class is great. Um, and this guy is exactly the kind of player that I think fits in. So in the second round, I had them taking Jamison Williams from Alabama and this dude's got speed for days. Uh, fantastic at the line at getting open real field stretcher. And then my favorite thing about him is Alabama uses him as a punt, punt gunner and like a, a kickoff specialist. And the guy's phenomenal at it. Now, I don't know if you want your stud wide receiver in the pros covering punts and stuff, I'm, but I'm saying like the attitudes there 
the mindset, the, uh, you know, you got to have great technique and discipline when you're playing those special teams, coverage teams. And uh, it, that's the kind of guy, the kind of culture that they're building in Detroit. And I think he'd be a great fit there too. Yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, hey, Alabama wide receivers have had a good track record, right? Coming into the NFL the last couple of years. So, yep. Um, so why the heck not? We've seen what kind of game changer that, like, uh, you know, it, you know, just a lot. There's been obviously been a lot. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on some of the names right now, but, um, but yeah, just tremendous names coming out of there. Uh, why the heck not? Why just go get this guy? Like I said, I think that wide receiver is that highest priority. You get a guy who could stretch the field, open things up, maybe draw some coverage so some of the other guys can, you know, uh, succeed and do do pretty well in that facet. So, uh, yeah, I, I like the sound of this kid um, and his potential for the Detroit. I think you got to give Jared Goff somebody to throw to. Got to give Jared yeah. Goff somebody to throw to. Yeah. And I think, I think they're in a different situation, and they're, you know, I think the – GM and the coach are much more on the same page as other franchises. And I could see them being locked up on like those first two picks like that, you know, take that stud pass rusher, go out and get an elite speed athlete at wide out. And then I had them taking Malik Willis quarterback out of Liberty in the uh, second round, which is a guy that everyone's talked about because he's phenomenal to watch. He's, he's Lamar Jackson, right? 2.0. The guy's got crazy speed and, very elusive and pretty good with, you know, uh, creating out of structure. And, you know, that that's the kind of thing I can see them doing. You got golf, you know, he's, he can play better than he has. We'll give him better players and we'll reshuffle this for next year. And then take that rookie and, you know, put him on the back burner. No pressure. Just go back, learn, get adapted to the speed. I, I think that's the right way for Detroit to handle this. I, I can agree with that. I mean, listen, Jared Goff was pretty much handing the reins instantly, right? Traded there, handing the reins instantly. You're our guy. We're going to re- try and rally behind you. That's basically what it's been. If you bring in a rookie, um, who's going to challenge him? Who, who who could challenge him? Could bring out the best in Jared Goff and could you know set yourself up for the future nicely. Um, with this young man, you know, we've seen what, uh, we've seen a big turnaround from Jimmy Garoppolo this year, right? Uh, the second half of the season, Jimmy G has been pretty damn good. Um, you know, he knows that his time could be running out in San Francisco with Trey Lance looming. I know he's been kind of injured all this year, but, um, give Jared Goff a reason to kind of fight for that and and be your QB one. He's still young. He's still on the young side, right? 2016 draft. He doesn't have a whole lot of mileage on him. Um, yeah. but you can push them and, and set yourself up for the future as well at the same time. So, but I like it. Um, I, I, between these two teams, who do you have, uh, more optimism for as far as 2022, maybe taking oh, the next Detroit. step, probably Detroit. Yeah, it really, it, it's, it's about the faith in coaching. I've got no faith in David Cully. Right. No, he, he doesn't see does he's not, not emotion. He doesn't draw emotion at all. No, and it, it's, it's the least deserved head coaching job maybe ever. Like, I have no idea how he got to where he is. No. So. Neither do I. Neither do I. But, uh, but all right, everybody, that is a wrap for your film room and your first edition of the Losers Club of the 2021-22 uh, yeah, season. 
So we got a lot more stuff next week. Uh, who do you want to address for the Losers Club? Oh, did I, did I put you on the spot? No, you didn't. Uh, trying to think who should be by the con- Jets. Well, the Jets, the Jets are in consideration, and we'll see if there's any other worthy candidates because you know. Houston, we didn't ask for this. We didn't ask to be starting the Losers Club this week. Houston did this to us by by sucking even more. And my man Tyrod got concussed again. I feel terrible for the poor man. Yeah. Ugh. You ain't kidding. You ain't kidding. So, uh, so, yeah, so we will carry on. The next two, I guess, worst teams in the National Football League we will be talking about and getting ready for that offseason. You know, their, their time is ticking. And uh, it's time to look ahead to the future, uh, you know, through with one month left of the regular season. So thank you so much, listeners. Uh, hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Hope you learned a little bit of something, something. And uh, y'all are the best. I just can't put you over enough. On behalf of Brian and I, till next time, the two-point conversation is... Yeah.